Thank you so much for uh, joining us as we are right in the middle of a series called The Me That I Want To Be. And, um, and today actually is a special day, though, all around the country. Um, today is what's called Orphan Sunday. And so in churches all around the United States, um, people are just celebrating the fact that there are many who have the heart of God. When you get into the Bible, you'll see that God uses this theme of adoption to help us to understand his love for us and how he includes us into his family. And so the very act of helping someone else who's fatherless come into a family is a great, great picture of the gospel and the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. And so, um, so we're going to celebrate that just a little bit here in the beginning. And the closest tie I personally have to that is my brother and his wife who have adopted three children. They have Hope and Jaden and Michael. And amazing journeys. And uh, Hope they adopted uh, quite a few years ago, I think about eight years ago. She's uh, 13 now. Um, but the second two that they adopted, Jaden and Michael, were quite an interesting story and a really hard decision to make. As uh, Jaden was born without a pancreas, um, which is an amazing, uh, very, very unbelievably few people ever born like that and survive. So a lot of, lot of health concerns to take on this baby. And then finding out that after they said yes, that they would adopt Jaden, they found out she had a little brother named Michael. And Michael was born as a cocaine baby with his whole body infested with drugs from his mom. And so what a journey it was for them to say yes to do this. So to begin our day-to-day, as we talk about the me that we want to be, and adoption, and hardship, and struggle. Uh, This is my brother Mark and his wife Callie. So a little bit after 9-11, this is about a year later, Callie comes to me and says, hey, uh, you know when I talked to you a while back about adopting? And I was like, Oh, yeah. He never thought about it. He I never thought about, about it ever. one time in a year. It's, it's the total truth. Now, you were kind of, you were, I think, triggered by this 9-11 thing. Well, and I, yeah, and, and I had been thinking about it. Yep. But, it, you know, I was torn up, so torn up about what was happening in the world, certainly like everyone else was. And I just felt like it was time for us to do something. And I really, really believe that we could, you know, bring someone into our home and love them and and make a difference that way. And I also really believe there was a child that was supposed to be in our family. So I I mean, I heard Callie's seriousness and I told her this time I, I really would consider it and begin praying about it. And about two seconds later, some of you have heard me tell the story. Uh, it took about two seconds. A list came before me of why this was a really bad idea. I was too old. I was 44. I was we not 44, had... just so you know. <laughs> That's right. Uh, she's 29. Uh, we already had four kids. I didn't have as much energy. I'm a really high introvert. Mm-hmm. Uh, finances are all, you know, uh, friends were becoming empty nesters. I thought of this list, golf, hunting, basketball. Fishing, sleep. Uh, quite frankly, I, I honestly just felt it's our turn now. God just was asking us, would you be willing to do anything that I ask you to do? I'll tell you, man, this time I was really struggling. Um, I knew it felt like the right thing, um, but I was grieving. Uh, one night, I lay down on the bed and I just started to weep. And I, I cry at sad movies quite a bit, but I don't weep too often. But I just got overwhelmed. And 
I'm, I, I was grieving the loss of my life, um, the loss of my list. And then I saw the comparison. See, I'm still thinking, I don't know if I want to do this. <laughs> and I saw, and I felt like God said, that little boy right there, that's Michael. Because that was Michael's hometown, Flint, Michigan. His mama was a cocaine, alcohol-addicted prostitute. What kind of a chance did he have? And I want to just say this, as hard as it is, and let me just tell you what, it's hard. It's really hard. It's really hard. It's really, really hard. It's more beautiful. You know what I'm saying? It's more beautiful. These kids are completely vulnerable to the forces of evil in this world. They have no voice, no power. They are alone and discarded. And we have the chance to replace fear with love, abandonment with commitment, disease with health, abuse with safety. A chance, no chance with opportunity, darkness with light. As Michael would say, hunger with burger fries. <laughs> Hopelessness with dreams for a future. See, the sacrifice the World War II soldiers made was devastating. It was devastating. But seeing the individuals freed from the concentration camps made it all worthwhile. And we are so proud of them, are we not, for what they did? Because it was so right. It was so beautiful. And I've thought about the pain and the sacrifice that Mother Teresa has submitted herself to for years and years and years is so beautiful when she, you see the gift that she's giving to the starving and crippled people in India. You know, I didn't hunt once this fall, but I got this. I want to show you a picture, it's two minutes, of the beauty of what God has allowed me to be a part of. Okay, that guy, Max Greenfield, leads. <laughs> Here we go. Ready? Here we go. Take a peek. Here we go. Where's Dana? Where's Dana? Oh. <laughs> Where's Dana? Where's What's he doing? Oh, he's watering the plants?
You wearing dead shoes? Man, I can't tell you, um, the first time I went home after they had adopted Michael, his body, they said when they first adopted him, he would just, just shake and scream because of all the drugs that were in, in his system. And when I got there, he was pretty much just like this, just lifeless, hardly anything in his eyes. Now look at that kid. Is that not unbelievable? Man. What a way to start the day. You know, um, I love how Mark said, what chance did Michael have? What chance did Jaden have? Until they got adopted and they got brought in. We, so here we are in the series, The Me That We Want to Be. Um, by Mark and Callie doing that, they gave Michael and Jaden and Hope, who you didn't see, a chance to be who God created them to be. But I want to tell you what, um, it, not only did those kids find their life, are they finding their life? My brother and his wife, have found their life. That dude, my brother, he is a completely different man. He was here for our anniversary, if you remember, and, uh, and I remember, man, sitting with him and having breakfast the next morning and him just sharing with us. It's like, you have no idea, man. It has been brutal. And, but Mark is way more who God created him to be because he's given his life away. Because he's given his life away. And that's the life of Christ. And that's who we were made to be. So man, we just want to take a moment here because one of the cool things here at K2, many of you have gone down this road. It's been one of the really neat things about this community. And I would love just to celebrate you, but I also really would love to pray for you. So if you are involved in adoption, if, if you have adopted, if you've been adopted, if you've been involved in the foster care system at all and just helped in any way, would you just go ahead and stand real quick and let's give everybody who stands real quick, would you guys give them a round of applause and remain standing? Real for us. It, keep standing real quick because I just want to pray for you. I'd love to pray for you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that in Jesus Christ we got to see the very heart and soul and core of your character of who you are. Thank you that you're a God who rescues. Thank you that you are a God who comes to save the world, not to condemn it, to save it. Thank you, Jesus, that you said that you came so that we could have life and life to the full, that we could be who we want to be, which is who you created us to be. And then, Lord, I just thank you for every person who's standing. Thank you for the movement of your spirit in their heart to care, to rescue, to love, to provide. And we just, I just want to pray right now, God, your, your blessing on each one of them. I just pray that you would encourage them. I pray you'd fill them with strength and joy. I pray you'd knit their families together. I pray, God, whatever is going on right now in their own relationships, that your beautiful spirit of grace and truth and love would come and do something awesome. Thank you, Lord, for them, and may they be encouraged. May they find all the support and strength that they need. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right. Thanks, you guys.
Man, I tell you, um, Christianity is a pretty interesting deal. So you know what, what's crazy? How many of you were here last week as we, okay, most of you were here last week when we talked about this whole idea that you are actually made complete, right, through surrender. You actually are made complete through finding your life by giving it away. And many of you came up here and you dropped a seed uh, just as a symbol of, I'm going to die because I believe that inside this seed, if I actually give up my life to Christ, my life will multiply itself and actually I'll finally have a chance to be who I want to be. And what I love is, uh, that's what Martin Cowley did. In that time, they came up and they put their seed in and they said, man, I'm going to die. I'm going to die to golf and hunting and fishing and sleep. I'm going to die to the fact that everybody else is retiring and going to start doing what they want and I'm going to have two babies. That just is crazy. That's what they did. And, I, and, and uh, today, uh, our theme is, what we're going to talk about is that you and I can actually only be made complete. We can only be everything that God wants us to be through hardship, actually through suffering and trials. It's, it's crazy because God is so loving and so caring and so gracious and so good, but you cannot read the Bible, uh, if, if, uh, Genesis through Revelation, without finding that there's also this need for this, this, this discipline, as we're going to talk about, that God puts us through. And uh, I, I just want to write, if you guys would, this book is called When God Interrupts. And I just want to say right now, if, if you are in any type of dark place in your life, if you're struggling at all with hardship and with suffering, if you're questioning God and what he's up to because you can't understand what's going on with your life, in the darkest time, one of the darkest times of my life, I think I found this book and I cannot tell you how helpful it was. In fact, um, we couldn't get the copies in for this Sunday. There's going to be copies you could buy next Sunday if you want, but you could Amazon this, get used books. When God Interrupts by Craig Barnes. And so wanted to make sure you have a chance to write this down and get it. And uh, just real quick, here's one of the things he says at the beginning. He says, um, oops, wrong page, hold on. Here we go. Christianity is fundamentally an experience in losing the lives of our dreams. Doesn't that sound great? Come on, everybody sign up. <laughs> Christianity is fundamentally an experience in losing the lives of our dreams in order to receive the lives that Jesus died to give us. That's what it is. Instead of pursuing our own thing, it's receiving the life that Jesus died to give us. And so what, that's what we're finding. I can't be, I really can't find the me that I want to be until I find the me that I was created to be. That's what we talked about initially. It's coming to this belief that there really is a God who designed you, who knows your purpose, and that we were created in him, in his idea, and for him. So that's, I, I, you, just, you can't, you can, and I love one guy, he said, you can be successful all you want, but that doesn't mean you found the purpose of your life. Being successful doesn't mean you found the purpose of your life. Because the purpose is you were created in him and for him. And then the next week, we've discovered that, oh, how good is God? He, he does this work himself. He is a gracious God who actually comes to us and works within us. And then last week, we talked about, yes, and, and the way this does, the way I receive God's grace is I just have to believe. I have to trust him, and I have to receive him. I have to got to lose my life so I can find it, as Jesus said. And I lose it by giving up control of my own, of, what, of designing the life that I want, and giving up and saying, no, God, I want the life you came to give me because you're the only one who actually knows. 
And so we talked about it, and it was beautiful. We had this pew up here. Oh, there it is. It's still over there. And we had this pew up here and as, as this beautiful picture of surrendering your life. And, and, and the, what the Bible says, if you're ever actually going to even be able to begin to follow God, you have to trust him. And he goes, and when that happens, the term Jesus uses, you're born again. And now your journey begins. And you become a child of his. Now, man, I, I tell you, man, was, was trick-or-treat fun for anybody else? You know, it was so, it, it was kind of weird though. This was the first year that Susie and I didn't spend any time with our kids on the street. That was kind of bittersweet, to be honest with you. Yeah, it was sweet to hang out with everybody, but it was, you know, as we were driving around, seeing all the little kids, you know, the parents trying to keep them out of the street and all that stuff. And just, it was so cute and it was so fun. So when you become a child and thinking about that, one of the great things is if you're a child and like as a parent, they are dearly loved. And we provide for them and we protect them. I enjoy my kids. But there's another thing that happens. Once you're born again, that's great when you're sweet and a little baby. But as you start to grow up, if you're a good dad, what do you do to your kids? Yeah, you discipline them. You really do. And does any kid have a chance of being the me that they actually want to be without discipline? Oh, come on. What? Really? No, thank you. <laughs> the answer is no, and we've seen it. I mean, when a kid does anything that they want to do, okay, there's no way that they become who they want to be. And the other thing we know is they don't enjoy discipline, right? <laughs> I mean, I don't know about you. My kids want to do three things. They want to play. They want to watch TV and everything else that has a screen all day long, and they want to eat candy. <laughs> that's it, man. I mean, that's the me they want to be, right? <laughs> And if I let them be the me they want to be, am I a good dad? No, I'm not. And so what's crazy is we have to go in here and all of a sudden, and so that their life doesn't end up a disaster, I have to bring them discipline. And they hate it, right? So we wake up Saturday morning, right? We all slept in and stuff after Halloween. And the kids were in there playing, you know, video games and stuff. And Susan and I hanging out in the front room. And all of a sudden I'm like, hey, you guys ready for breakfast? And Caleb's got a sucker sticking out of his mouth. And I'm like, Caleb, so man, have you been eating candy in the morning? Because he knows you're not supposed to do that. And he's like, you know, Ashlyn, not uh, Caleb, Ashlyn creeps in. Yeah, he's eating his Halloween candy. He's had at least a couple pieces. And then I was so proud of Caleb. He goes, well, actually, I've had uh, milk duds and a Snickers and a Reese's and this and the, he lifted all like six or seven things. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, give me your bag. Really? I can't have, no, you can't have your candy. But it was cool. Susie did say, hey, but thanks for being honest, right? That was good. That was a good side of it. But here's what I want to tell you. We are no different. We are no different. I'm 49 years old. I am no different than my kids. And here's what I mean by that. We want things too. You guys want things? We really want them. And the crazy part is, as we get older, we don't have a parent telling us we can't do it. We can, get, we can do it. We can go after whatever we want, and we can pursue those things. And the thing is, we really do believe that if we had all of these things, it would bring us pleasure and fulfillment and happiness and success. And we go, if I have this job and this relationship and this home and all of this, we're going, then I'll be the me that I want to be. And God goes, no, you won't. No, you won't. 
And because he loves us, he steps in. When you're his child, okay? Can I say all you guys who are Christians? When you become his child, he's your dad. And you just got to know, man, when God starts taking things away from us, like jobs and relationships and health, how many of you go, oh, thank you, Jesus? No. What do we do? We whine and we complain and we question and we doubt and we walk into our house and we slam the door just like our kids do in their bedroom and we distance ourselves from him because we don't understand him just like our kids don't understand us. How many of you would say you've ever treated God that way? Okay. And so what we got to understand is this. Is he a good dad who loves us and can we trust that he is absolutely committed to us becoming everything that he wants us to be? Because I want to tell you, man, I, I, I've, I've said for a while, we need to do a whole series on suffering. And I just want to tell you, after this week, now I know we do. So probably be ready next year at some point for us just to spend weeks on this. Because this is deep and this is hard, okay? But I'm going to go through one, uh, just a couple passages real quick. Let me just look at James 1, 2 through 4, and he says this. Consider it, <laughs> and if any of you have been Christians for a while, this verse is just like, are you kidding? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because, why? You know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and let perseverance finish its work so that you may be who you want to be. I mean, right? What 18-year-old doesn't wants to still be peeing in his diaper? Right? You just don't want to be that. You want to be mature and complete. How's this one? Lacking what? Nothing. How's that sound? So here's what God says. He goes, I want you to be mature. And that word actually means brought to its end. It means wanting nothing necessary for completeness. It means everything that's there so it's completely full and whole. That's that word mature. Complete, same type of word. Completely different word, but same idea. Complete in all its parts, no part wanting or unsound, not lacking anything. That's God's desire for you. And so he goes, and, and, and here's the point. So we have to come to the point where it's like we believe that God actually wants me to be the me I actually want to be, not the one that I think I want to be. This is why it's hard, and this is why it takes faith, because we have to trust that there's a God who understands stuff better than we do, just like we're hoping our kids will trust us, right? I know what's best for you. Now, so he says trials have to happen because they actually test your faith. They find out. They, they strengthen your faith. They reveal what's really inside of you. And just like you have to exercise your muscles and push against resistance, you have to exercise your faith and it gets stronger. And God is so interested in you trusting him more than anything else on this planet. So he brings trials. And they produce perseverance. And this is the word. It's a huge word in this passage. And perseverance must finish its work. It actually does a work inside of us. Helps us to become mature, complete, lack nothing. There's another one. You can write this one down. Look, up, look it up later. Romans chapter 5. Just start at verse 1 and read down. And Paul says the same thing. He goes, I rejoice in my sufferings. And every, he's be every time I read that, I'm like, man, I'm just not there yet. That's tough. 
I rejoice in my sufferings because they produce perseverance, and perseverance produces character. How many of you, as parents, are more interested in your kids' character than their happiness? Okay, the other half of you need to start caring about their character more than their happiness, all right? But seriously, because if you've got character, that produces, it says, hope. And if you have hope, that means no matter what happens to you, you have hope because God pours his love into your hearts because you know God loves you. Okay, I say it here a lot in 10 years, but I, can't, I just, I love, this is Tom Landry's quote. Great Dallas Cowboys football coach. It's hard to say Cowboys and great at the same time. But um, I do like Tom Landry. But his, his quote was, a good coach makes you do what you don't want to do so you'll become who you want to be. And that's God. All right? So I'm going to walk you through um, a passage here really fast, Hebrews chapter 12. And here's what, and I'm going to pray first, but here's what I want to tell you. In my, one of my darkest times, of my life, when, um, and, I, and I know, in, in a room this size, many of you have gotten to the point of despair where you just wanted to end your life. Maybe some of you in this room have tried that. Some of you came up with an actual plan to do that. You know, if you can't live here without knowing, right, that a kid just did this at Skyline High School. I don't know if I, I didn't have a plan, but I remember, I was in ministry at the time. I, I've been a Christian for a long time, and I remember feeling like, oh my God, I was driving up this, this really hilly road in, uh, in, uh, in Pennsylvania, and I remember thinking, you know the greatest thing that could happen right now if there was a semi who just happened to be on the other side of the road? <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been there. But in my darkest time when I was laying on the floor crying out to God and just saying, I'm done, I'm done. It was a sweet, little, faint whisper. Keep going. Keep going. Just keep going. And it was this passage I'm going to share with you in Hebrews 12 that gave me strength to keep going and to believe that there's a God who loves you and me so much that he is willing to put us through stuff we would never choose on our own so we could actually be the people that he's created us to be. All right, let's pray. Father, man, we need, I need, I mean, we all need your grace this morning. Just pray that you would speak very clearly, concisely, and quickly in this precious passage as a dad who loves his kids. And I just pray for hope today, God. Pray that all of us would come to this place where we actually believe who you are and give you the chance to do this in our life and pray for it in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I'm just gonna bust through this and then give us a few things. Here's Hebrews 12, one. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance. And this is such a key word, you guys, sometimes the Bible translates it endurance, sometimes it's perseverance. Basically, at its core, it means remain under, is what it means. So when there's pressure and sorrow and pain and hardship, the Bible tells us you gotta stick with it, right? I remember the first time I ever heard Winston Churchill's most famous speech ever, right? You guys remember the speech? 
What did he do? Stood up in front of all these great young military men and got behind the podium and he said, never give up. Never give up. Never, 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 never give up. And he sat down. And what I see in the Bible is, you know what? All of us who are trying to follow God, we quit all the time because it's hard. And we quit because we don't like what he's doing. And we quit because that didn't happen the way we wanted it to. And the Bible says you got to run with perseverance. Don't give up. Why? There's a race marked out for you. Every one of you in this room. God has a race marked out for you. you. There is a me that he wants you to be. Believe that. You, again, go all the way back. If you weren't, listen to the first message. God created you, ordained for you. He knows you. He loves you. He created you specifically. And so there's a race marked out for you. And so get rid of everything and run it out. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You guys, we love Jesus. We love his life. That, Jesus Christ was a man of sorrows. He suffered much. He was rejected. Have you been rejected? He knows what it is to be rejected. He knows physical pain that was the most gruesome way that the Romans knew how to kill somebody. Jesus knows what it is to suffer. And But it was for the joy set before him, right? So again, he knew there was something great. There was a plan that God had ordained for his life. And so he stuck to it and he gave it. And then finally he was able on the cross to go, it is finished, complete, mature. I did what God created me to do. And because he did that, he changed the world. So in your struggle against sin, you haven't yet Resisted to the point of shedding your blood. In your struggle against sin, okay, what is sin at its core? Sin at its core, it steals, it kills, it destroys. Everything in the Bible, when God calls it sin, he just calls it that because it's the antithesis of what his way is, of what is good and right. Sin always seeks to steal from you, to destroy every relationship you have, and empty you from the life that God designed for you. And your struggle, and, and, and yeah, here's the crazy thing, we want to sin. It's the most bizarre thing about being human. We want to do stuff that's the opposite of what God wants. We just do. So we struggle at it. And he goes, and here's the thing, what is sin ultimately? Sin is what separates us from God. We, we go the opposite way of God. And he goes, listen, man, I'm life. I am your life. If you're apart from me, you can never have the life that you were created for. I created you for me. I created you to be with me. And yet we're always doing the other thing, man. We struggle with sin, and it's hard. And then he goes, you have completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. It says, my son, don't make light of the Lord's discipline, and don't lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens or punishes everyone he accepts as his son. Endure, there's the word. Remain under it. Don't quit. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. 
For what children are not disciplined by their father? Really messed up ones. If you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. You guys, you hear what that's saying? If you actually are a Christian, you better get ready for some pain. What? Where's joy, joy, joy deep in my heart stuff? You know? And he's, well, that's common. <laughs> but you need to know, if you aren't experiencing this, you're an illegitimate child. Because every child who's loved by a good dad gets disciplined. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of Spirits and live? And live. They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. <laughs> I love that. No discipline is pleasant at the time. I love the Bible. It just says, guess, guess what? Man, if you're going to be God's kid, there's going to be some pain because he loves you. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. Okay. What do I do? <laughs> My wife. Um, let me just bust down. I'm going to bust down this outline for you. And you guys get in the word, go home, pull this out and read more. Here's the three points. Why does God discipline us? Why is he willing to cause suffering and pain in our life? Number one is so we can share in his holiness, right? Hebrews 12, 10, God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. This, you guys, is our struggle. Do we believe that the me I want to be is no one other than the one who God created me to be? I, I, do I believe that? Do I, that God is saying, listen, I want you to share in my holiness. This is God's will for us. That God, he, to create in us a heart that's exactly like him. So you get to this fruit of the spirit, which is joy and love and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. And God's like, that's who I want you to be. I actually want you to be so completely free from yourself. I want you to share in my holiness and I'm good, and I'm patient, and I'm kind, and I'm completely self-sacrificing love. That's what I am, and that's what, if you're my kid, guess what? That's what I'm going to do in you, and that's just his will for you. He wants you to be with him, one with Christ, in Christ, full of his spirit. He wants you to share in his holiness. The other thing he says is, I'm, I'm disciplining you so that you can reap a harvest of right living. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> See, he goes, it's never pleasant at the time, but later on, it produces a harvest of right living. I remember, man, my, my mom, oh my gosh, I, man, she, was, she loved me. I knew she loved me, which was so key because she was tough. I remember, man, she made me do piano lessons. As a guy who wanted nothing to do but football, piano lessons were wrong. I remember, man, I was eight years old. I'd sit on the bench and cry for a half hour, and she'd let me. She just let me suffer right there on that bench. I remember my dad used to wake me up on Saturday mornings after playing football all Friday night and start with a chainsaw because it was going to be all Saturday. We were going to work and cut wood and work in the garden. And we worked, and it was painful. And I want to tell you what, man. Thank you, Mom and Dad. So that when I went out and got a job and I'm working, it wasn't a big deal. And my bosses are going, man, why don't you take a break once in a while? while they're trying to get other people to do something. 
See, you guys see what I'm saying here? God wants you to be free from yourself, which wants pleasure and ease and comfort, and he wants you to be sacrificial love. All right, that's why he does it. Then how does God discipline us? He goes, as a father towards a child, which we've already looked at. And then he does it through correction. He does it through correction. But just by that word, you guys, I mean, if something's correct, that means it's what? It's right. And when something's right, it actually works. It's productive. God is good. He wants you to be productive. So every time he brings a hardship or a struggle, what he's doing is going, listen, man, you're getting so caught up in stuff that doesn't matter. You're getting consumed in finances, consumed in your work. You're getting consumed. You're letting the things into your life that are creating pleasure for you, but they're destroying you. And God's going, it's not right. It's not correct. So he's always moving us back. Even when we lose stuff, sometimes we lose those things because they were becoming our God. And I shared with you last week, it's when anything becomes your God except God, it gets goofy. And so he comes and he goes, man, I'm going to correct you. Don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Give up when he corrects you. And then he does it through pain and suffering. No discipline is pleasant at the time, but painful. So then, how do we respond to him? How do we respond to God's discipline? Hebrews 12.5 says, have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as father addresses his son? My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and don't lose heart when he rebukes you. Five things real quick. Number one, how do you respond to God? How do you respond to God when he's allowing hardship in your life? When he's allowing loss to happen in your life? When things aren't going the way you want them to go? Number one, don't forget the encouragement. Don't forget the encouragement. I tell you what, man, in sports, I love the coach that kicked my butt. I needed that. I needed them to make me do what I didn't want to do. But I also needed them to pull me aside and say, and I'm doing this, Dave, because I believe in you. Right? Don't forget this word of encouragement. You're the son, it's daughter of God. And God created you for great purposes, and he's absolutely committed to you becoming the full person that he wants you to be. Don't forget that word of encouragement. Number two, don't treat it lightly. Right? Don't treat it lightly. Don't make light of the Lord's discipline. So in other words, I, Susan and I were talking about this in the message. Uh, Eugene Peterson says, don't shrug it off. <laughs> How many of you have disciplined, disciplined your kids at a time and they took it a little lightly? <laughs> Basically, I think what that means is like, I don't, okay, but I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to change anything. Don't take it lightly. But at the same time, don't lose heart. That's the third thing. Don't lose heart. And this is what I know people today who have, who have just completely set God aside because life's hard. They have completely lost heart. I love how Peterson puts it in him. He says, he says don't, don't shrug it off, but don't let it crush you either. You guys, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Jesus said it. God uses it. He uses it to help you. Don't let it crush you. And number four, don't give up. We've already talked about that. Endure hardship as, as discipline. And then the last thing he says is this. Submit to your dad. Hebrews 12, 9. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Submit to the father of your spirits and live. I think maybe the best quote um, that I found that just kind of blew me away as I was studying, it says this. God has no will 
towards you, but that of infinite love and infinite desire to make you a partaker of his divine nature. And that it is, and it is absolutely impossible for the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ to refuse all that good and life and salvation which you want. Just like it's that impossible for you to take it by your own power. If you try to save your life and protect yourself and keep everything easy and everything good and everything, he goes, you'll never find your life. That's what we talked about last week. Jesus said, if you want to lose your life, if you want to find your life, you've got to lose it. You can't try to make it good. Because once you let it go and quit trying and you actually trust God, you guys, this is the key right here. It is absolutely impossible for a holy, good God to not care for his children. And I want to tell you, man, when I'm in these places, it is dark. It's confusing. He feels far away. And every part of me starts to think like, I think I've lost God's favor. I don't think he loves me because look at my life. And that's why we need his word saying, you're my child. Don't give up. Don't quit. Endure. Persevere. Because if you do, you will reap a harvest of right living. You will share in my holiness. That's our God. So guys, as we worship now together, this is huge. This is huge. Because this, I, I want to tell you, <clears throat> there is no greater time that I need to worship God than when I'm feeling like this, when I'm struggling. I need to remember who he is and that he is that and that I'm not. And this is, this is an incredible, and here's the other thing. So much of the hardship that happens in our life, how much of the hardship that you go through in your life is because of your own sin? Okay? How much of the hardship have you experienced in life because of other people's sin? You have. And here's what God's saying. Some stuff out there is pure evil, and it is not my will. But I will turn anything that happens into good. There are other things that happen in this world. They're not necessarily evil, but they sure feel like they're outside of God's will. And those are the things we need to hold on and cling and believe in a loving God who takes everything, just like Mark and Callie, it is hard. It was sacrifice. It was painful. But it was way more, what? Beautiful. And God wants to make beautiful things out of you. So let's stand and let's worship this God.